0: It's time for Security Now, the shortest name in the history of Security Now. Steve Gibson will explain what one means and give more very important advice. In fact, honestly, the story, the LastPass story, gets worse and worse. If you were a LastPass customer, or still are, you've got to listen to this episode. Security Now is next. Hey, before we get to the show, though, can I ask you a favor? Our Security Now survey is online, twit.tv slash survey23. The podcast network as a whole likes to know a little bit more about our audience. We want to know what you like, what you use, what you want more of. It helps us sell advertising, I'll say it, without tracking you, but it also helps us tune the programming to fit your interests. It should just take a few minutes. It's absolutely optional, but it sure helps us a lot. You have to the end of the month, twit.tv slash survey23. Now, on with the show podcasts you love
1: from people you trust this
0: This is this is security now episode 905 recorded tuesday january 10th 2023 one security now is brought to you by tanium Tanium unites operations and security teams with a single platform that identifies where all your IT data is, patches every device you own in seconds, and implements critical security controls, all from a single pane of glass. Are you ready to protect your organization from cyber threats? Learn more at tanium.com slash twit. And by Drana. Too often, security professionals are undergoing the tedious, arduous task of manually collecting evidence. With Drata, say goodbye to the days of manual evidence collection and hello to automation. All done at Drata speed. Visit drata.com/slash/twit and get a demo and ten percent off the implementation. It's time for security now. Yes, it is. You've been waiting all week. I know you have. Security now. Maven, legend, man about town, Steve Gibson is here to talk about the latest security news. Holy cow, Steve, last week's Leaving Last Pass episode oh. was a biggie. <laughs>
1: yeah, it uh, it absolutely broke all of the records that we've had for, I mean, just judging, uh, you know, my, my immediate feedback is to look at the number of likes and retweets on my weekly announcement of the podcast and last week's was about eight times more than we've ever had before. Um, and actually, as a consequence of that, and the the feed, the nature of the feedback that I received through this next week, um, we're going to continue because uh, what happened was interesting. Uh, we have to have a follow-up to last week's Leaving Last Pass episode, um, and I want to share the news of the creation of a terrific PowerShell script, complete with a friendly user interface, which quickly deobfuscates any last pass user's XML format vault data. Um, what it reveals is what we expected, but seeing is believing. And it's, it's a little startling to see what's there with no decryption of the vault needed. Then we're going to examine, as I said, the essentially the conclusions drawn and the consequences of the massive amount of avid and, in some cases, rabid listener feedback received since last week. Um, there were some truly startling things that listeners of this podcast discovered when they went looking. Mm. So uh, we got a great picture of the week, and this episode's title is unique for us. It's just a single
0: digit. I thought I made a mistake. I thought there was an error typing the uh, title. It's just one. Security Now. Number one.
1: Security Now, episode 905 for January 10th, 2023, titled One. Okay. And everyone will find out why uh, in a little bit. There was a Broadway show called
0: Nine. uh, And now there's an episode of Security Now called One. No, No one knows why, but you will find out. In 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 a moment, shall we say? Uh, and I'm very curious to hear about the what's going on with the uh, with LastPass
1: too. I uh, think uh, you're you don't know how curious you need to be. Oh, uh, there there's something really. Something you you more.
0: asked me if I could try this XML uh, formatter on my vault data. And I deleted my vault uh, more than a year ago. So, And I hope to God, so did LastPass. But that's a question for later, too. First, let's talk about our sponsor for this portion of the show, those great folks at Tanium. Uh, the industry's approach to cybersecurity, says Tanium, is fundamentally flawed. What? That's a challenging statement, but think about it. Uh, IT management, security point tools, they give you a slice, a small piece of the solution, needed to protect your environment we've said that all the time security is requires a layered approach right unfortunately a lot of these tools promise they can stop all breaches and that's obviously not true but here's the problem for a lot of managers a lot of it professionals you're making decisions based on stale data old information and it that is no way to defend your critical assets from cyber attacks And if you've got tools that don't talk to each other, that's another huge problem. You've got a a very varied and aggressive team of attackers going after you all the time. You need to be as smart, as effective, as aggressive as they are. It's time for a different approach. You need Tanium. Tanium says it's time for a convergence of tools, of endpoints, of IT ops and security. They have solutions for everybody government entities, education, financial services, retail, healthcare. These people trust Tanium's solutions for every workflow that relies on endpoint data. With Tanium, you can do almost instantaneous asset discovery and inventory. So, you know, every IT asset down to the molecule in your estate. They've got risk and compliance management. Well, everybody needs that, right? Plus, you can find and fix vulnerabilities at scale in seconds no matter how big your estate is they've got threat hunting which lets you hunt for sophisticated adversaries in real time client management of course but it makes it makes it easy to automate operations from discovery to management to patching and of course since we've all got some sensitive data you've got to have sensitive data monitoring Tanium lets you index and monitor sensitive data, and it can do it globally and in seconds. You're getting a, a hint here of how fast Tanium is? Tanium protects organizations where other endpoint management and security providers have just fallen down on their faces. With a single platform, Tanium identifies where all your data is across your entire IT estate. Patches every device you own in seconds, and implements critical security controls, and it does it all from a single pane of glass with tools that all talk to one another. It's just a—it's just a, a, a complete paradigm shift in how you manage your security. Ask Kevin Bush, vice president of IT at Ring Power uh, Corporation. He says, "Tanium. This is a quote. Tanium brings visibility." to one screen for a whole team and if you don't have that kind of visibility you're not going to be able to sleep at night i think kevin's talking from personal experience with real data comes real time impact if you are ready to unite operations and security teams with a single source of truth to confidently protect your organization from cyber threats it's time you met tanium t-a-n-i-u-m to learn more Visit Tanium.com slash twit. I'm sure you've heard about all the buzz. There's been a lot of buzz about Tanium over the last year. Really a a disruptor in this space. You need to learn more. This may be the perfect thing for you. In fact, I bet it is. Tanium.com slash twit. Please use the slash twit so they know you heard it here. That way Steve gets credit. This is the only place you'll hear it. Tanium.com slash twit. All right, I think the calendar, the clock on the
1: wall, the atomic clock says it's time for our picture of the week, Steve. (laughs) So we've actually shown this one before, but I ran across it again, and I thought, this is just just so good. Sometimes things are just so clever. And this is not a Photoshop. I own both these books. Yep, I do too. Yep. So on the left, we have O'Reilly's official Bible javascript the definitive guide and it's got a big rhino uh on the cover and it looks like maybe Oops. it's about three inches tall i mean this is like if it's you, if it's a, you could uh, use it as a doorstop you could yes uh... it would you could you you could no. use it to keep your car from rolling down <laughs> yes, the hill yes you could <laughs> okay and on the right we have also from o'reilly uh <laughs> uh written by douglas crawford uh who's a uh, you know renowned javascript person this one's got a butterfly on the cover and it says javascript colon the good parts there's not many <laughs> and it's, it's that's about, a takeaway on that about maybe a quarter inch thick yeah so just you know just very, so much smaller than the uh the definitive guide anyway i just that just you know as a visual joke that's it's a just, great one it's, and it's, it's true perfect. i mean that's yeah. those are the books Yeah. Mm. Okay. So last pass aftermath. And for those of you who are no longer using LastPass, who moved away from it a year ago, blah, blah, blah. You know, you may think that some of this doesn't interest you, but we've got, as I said, last past aftermath, and there actually will be some math later in this podcast, but there'll be no test on it. So you don't have to worry about taking notes, but uh, there will be something for everyone here. Okay. at the top of the news for our listeners this week is that my call for the creation of a last pass vault deobfuscator. You know, I called it. It's not a decryptor because we can't decrypt the vault easily. But they, as we know, a lot of the non-encrypted information was obfuscated. Uh, It was, you know, just converted into hex, which you, you 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 should do when you're moving stuff across the internet, uh, which, you know, many of of the areas of the internet still don't support, or maybe that's not true anymore, but everyone still does it, 8-bit bytes. So, like, 7-bit characters is the reason that that weird things have to be converted. And also, if you're using XML, where, for example, you've got uh, angle-bracketed, starting and ending formatting stuff, well... If your if the content of what you're sending had an angle bracket in it, that would foul up the XML parser. So, uh, I asked our listeners. I said, "I'm sure there's a bunch of coders out here. Let's see if somebody by the this time next week, which is today, can come up with something." So, wow, they, uh, they responded too. Sure enough, I got a whole bunch of people, did a bunch of different things. Several listeners produced JavaScript solutions. Paul Holder, who I know you know. love Paul.
0: He's a a Java guy, not JavaScript. He's a Java guy. Yes,
1: exactly. And in fact, he wrote a portable solution in Java. Uh, Several others wrote solutions in C, C++, and C Sharp. Um, (laughs) You know, and I was sure that (laughs) would be the case.
0: we got some real coders out there. That's great. Yeah. That's great.
1: Okay, but the solution, which surprised me it really captured my attention was both the smallest of all by far and the most powerful it was implemented as a windows powershell script oh interesting yeah and having seen what now what powershell's scripting language can do with its full access to the dot net language it's clear to me that i'm going to need to make some time i don't know someday uh to take a much closer look at it, it's sort of amazing what has quietly been happening over there. Uh, I've got a picture of the of this little PowerShell script, which I guess you would call an app, even though it's a script. You know, I mean, Perl is t- technically a scripting language, but you make apps with it. Um, so we have a solution that I'll explain in detail in a moment. Uh, and it is this week's. Security Now podcast 905 shortcut. So everyone can get the PowerShell script by going to grc.sc slash 905. And when you hit enter, that will present you with a zip file. Um, Well, anyway, I'll explain all that in a second. So uh, the way we got here is almost as interesting as what we got And I confess that it would have never occurred to me. Uh, It began with a Twitter DM from a listener named Rob Woodruff. Rob tweeted to me. He said, all right, Steve, you asked, and I delivered. I wrote a PowerShell script to parse the XML file that is your LastPass vault. Identify any values encrypted with ECB rather than CBC and decode the URLs from HEX to ASCII. I chose PowerShell so that it will run on any modern Windows computer. It's not fancy, but it appears to work. Now, he's not actually talking about this at the moment. not fancy, but it appears to work. You'll need to specify the in-file, out-file, and format parameters on the command line. None of that's still true. Or it will prompt you for them. In-file is the path and file name of the XML file, your LastPass vault. Out-file is the path and file name of the output file. He says, format is the format of the output file, either CSV, you know, comma separated values, or HTML. Anyway, and then, and then he sent me a link. You can download it here, and he sent me a Dropbox link. Okay, so that was Rob's first of what ended up being many messages between the two of us. Um uh, and that's, as I said, far from where we ended up. About four hours later, this was on Friday evening, he followed up. He said, this version of the script has a GUI. And then he sent me a Dropbox link, you know, so a graphical user interface. Upon seeing this, as I said, I, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to pay more attention to PowerShell. So I replied, holy crap, Rob, you're a PowerShell wizard. I'll check this out tomorrow. Thank you so much. To which Rob replied, My pleasure, Steve. I really enjoyed the process. First time doing a GUI in PowerShell. Not sure I can claim the title of wizard, though. I had ChatGPT do most of the heavy lifting. Um, And he said, speaking of which, if you haven't played around with it... (laughs) <laughs> I Maybe mean, ChatGPT is a
0: PowerShell wizard.
1: <laughs> he said, speaking of which, if you haven't played around with it, meaning ChatGPT, you must. It will blow your mind. Okay, now, I mean, mind blown. I said, okay, being unsure whether Rob might be pulling my leg. I wrote back. I said, Rob, are you not kidding? Did ChatGPT really have a hand in that? I mean, this was like a funk, a functioning app with graphical user interface. And he said, Steve, I'm not kidding. Chat GPT is supposedly fluent in every written language, including programming languages. I told it in English what I wanted to do, and it spat out PowerShell code. Well, more it's than not that, perfe- it's apparently
0: familiar with the LastPass XML form.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said, it's not perfect, of course, and I spent a lot of time debugging the Hex to ASCII conversion. Ultimately, I ended up using a code snippet for the conversion that I found using Google because Chat GPT couldn't seem to figure it out. Similarly, when I asked Chat GPT to add a GUI, it got most of it right on the first try, but it had two of the buttons being overlapped by text fields. So, well, boohoo! You know, you know, fine. Thank you. Wait a minute, anyway, Chat GPT does GUIs
0: too? Wow. Yes.
1: Yes. PowerShell so ha- no less.
0: Wow. So I
1: yes, yes. This thing is twelve K, Leo. That thing that you saw is a twelve K script. Okay, so he said, so I had to yes, I had to adjust the positioning of the elements manually. He said, overall though, it saved me a lot of time. I probably wouldn't have even tried to tackle this project without chat GPT. Okay, so uh We've clearly entered a very different world. Um, you know, what Rob explained is consistent with everything we've heard about chat, chat, chat GPT. It's not yet perfect, but it's very good. And it can typically get you, you know, 95% of the way there. And then, yeah, you need to go in and fix the things it got wrong, but wow. So, Anyway, I thought that, that, you know, that was just very cool. I then worked with Rob through Friday evening and through the weekend to polish and perfect this little 12K gem uh, to ready it for today's podcast. Remember that being a script, it's entirely open source and therefore readily verifiable. Um, and remember from last week that the key to obtaining the last pass Vault is using the developer features of any browser that's currently logged into LastPass. Though this part is still a bit inconvenient, there's no way around that without a huge amount of work to recreate everything that a browser does. And actually, as I was putting this together, putting the show notes together last night, I thought, huh, maybe we just ask ChatGPT to write us a browser. Anyway, uh, or... Or SpinWrite. Maybe no. <laughs> Actually, somebody did. So I, I, I received a, a DM from someone who said, uh, "How would you write Spinwrite?" And it gave a complete description of, of how to do wow. that. Not assembly yeah. code, just the description. No, it, it, it yeah. didn't do any. It didn't write any code, but it explained. All well, I understood the what it
0: that spin, ne- does, which is interesting. Yes,
1: yeah, yes. I'm sure it went out there and like found out what SpinRight was and said, "Okay, here's how how you do." We are we are
0: that. in an interesting time. I have to
1: say, oh, it is a, it is a really
0: yeah. We're a right on the time. cusp of something. Not sure how good it's going to be. But we'll okay, see.
1: so <laughs> I know. Well, it's going to change the world, right? Yeah. I mean, kids kids are going to grow up in a different world than we did. And, of course, old fogies are all like, when, when I was a kid, you had to actually use a pencil and sharpen it. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say that all the time. I know how that is.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so it's necessary to still involve the the developer console of the browser. Okay, so just to, to – I want to give people the, the instructions they need. Uh, especially those not familiar with running a PowerShell script. So first grab the PowerShell script that Rob wrote from my server. I, I'm hosting it, although he also has it on GitHub, and there's an update button on his GUI that'll take you over to his his page on GitHub in case, you know, it, it goes through some revisions. Um, but as I said, grc.sc slash 905, that will return a tiny zip file containing... A one file titled analyze-lastpassvault.ps1. That's the PowerShell script. And as we've learned on this podcast, encapsulating the script in a zip prevents Windows from tagging the script inside the zip with the dreaded mark of the web. So you don't need to see the warning about the dangers of using something that's been downloaded from the Internet. Um, as a very useful security measure, Windows will no longer run unsigned PowerShell scripts. And before this all began, I didn't even know you could sign a PowerShell script, but turns out you can, and I did. So since I didn't want anyone to be put off by that, I mean, you know, you, it gives you all kinds of scary warnings and things, and you can say, yeah, run it anyway. Uh, uh, and since signing... ...also does a useful verification that nothing has been altered. I signed Rob's final script with GRC's EV code signing cert. So Windows will see that it's been signed and it will run it all without complaint. So after downloading it, launch a PowerShell prompt... With window, you know, from the Windows menu, or you can just type PowerShell into the search box, and it'll it'll get you there. Uh, this does not need to be run with elevated admin privileges, so anyone should be able to do this. Start the script by entering, and this is odd. You and you know, reminiscent of Linux. You need to say dot backslash, and then analyze hyphen vault dot ps1 um, in order to to get it to go. Let's just and then say press,
0: execute it from this directory.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah, from the current otherwise. directory. Yeah, don't the, don't, don't go looking around yeah, for it's it. It's not in the path. Um, um, then, uh, oh, anyway, and so, and so press enter. The Analyze LastPass Vault app will be displayed on your desktop. You'll find complete instructions there in the app itself, right there in the UI, for proceeding, so you can likely race off on your own without the rest of this. But I, I, you know, I can provide a little bit of additional background for clarification. With Rob's app running, switch to the browser and log into LastPass so that you're looking at your vault, like you know many people did last week when we first talked about the way to grab your vault. Press the F12 key or Control Shift I, which toggles the developer mode. And so that will that'll suddenly d- subdivide your screen vertically into the browser on the left and the, the developer stuff over on the right. Then select the console tab in the developer window, and it, things may be like scrolling like crazy. Wait for them to settle down. Uh, that'll eventually stop. Once you have a cursor flashing there at the bottom, you're ready. To make this as easy as possible, we built in the three lines of JavaScript code that needs to be dropped into the browser at this point. So you just press copy query button in Rob's app, which places those three lines onto the system's clipboard, so then bring the browser to the foreground so that it has the system focus and hit control V, you know, to paste those three lines into the browser and you'll see them appear there after, after the cursor. Then press enter to execute the query, and the page will fill with XML expressions. That's your encrypted LastPass vault. As I described last week, down at the very bottom of the screen will be the options to display more of the text that was cut off, because it's way longer than will fit on the screen. Also, to copy the entire query results to the system's clipboard. That's what you want, so click on copy. Now, switch back to Rob's app and click the paste button. That will paste the the captured clipboard directly into Rob's app without needing to go through the intermediate step of saving it to a file. And note that if last week you had already copied your XML format vault out of a browser um, and, you know, may have terminated your account with LastPass, you can also provide Rob's app with that file name to load and then process. Okay, so with the vault made available to the app, either by pasting it or opening a file, specify an output file name to receive the deobfuscated data and choose the output format, either CSV or HTML. Uh, The CSV format will ideally require something in your system for viewing it, like Excel. Uh, I like the HTML format, since your browser and we all have a browser, will happily display that. So set the file name ending in either CSV or HTML as needed and finish by clicking analyze. The file will be written and then the resulting file will be launched for display by whatever handler You know, your system has registered for handling that type of file. And as I said, if you export HTML, the results will be displayed in a nicely formatted, scrollable window with one line per login record. Actually, same thing for CSV. So Rob's app displays an OK on the far left if the encrypted account information was encrypted using the better CBC cipher mode. And I'll we'll review that again a little bit in a second. If the records encrypted information was encrypted with the suboptimal information leaking ECB cipher mode, you'll see the message warning encrypted with ECB. Next on the line, and likely most interesting to everyone, will be the deobfuscated URL that's associated with the website's encrypted logon record. Taken as a whole, these are all the sites for which LastPass's vault contained your logon information. Um, And it's notable that the vault does not appear to contain the user's unencrypted email address, to associate who they are with the vault, nor is there any indication of the number there of PBKDF2 iterations that were being used to obtain the vault's decryption key from the user's email address and password. That information is necessary to run the, you know, password-based key derivation function to decrypt the key which is used to decrypt the vault. Otherwise, it requires brute force. So it must be that it's provided to the user's client through another query uh, uh, other than the one we just uh, used in order to get the, the, the vault's bulk content. But LastPass's infamous December 22nd breach update, you know, in, in that they said, quote, the threat actor copied information from backup that contained basic customer account information and related metadata, including company names, end user names, billing addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, and the IP addresses from which customers were accessing the LastPass service. So, you know, to that we can now add everything that Rob's LastPass vault analyzer makes crystal clear. Given the amount of effort, that will generally be required, uh, and we have a bracing update on that coming up next, to brute force the decryption of the encrypted information in even one LastPass vault, coupled with the fact that tens of millions of LastPass user vaults were obtained en masse, the direct threat of decryption for a single individual, unless directly targeted, would seem to be very small. But assuming that But because possible,
0: they have the metadata, it's easier for them to target somebody, don't you think? Correct.
1: Well, yeah. yes. Like FN... if you had to
0: log in to the Strategic Air Command's Missile Control Center in your LastPass vault...
1: You'd be highly motivated. <laughs> People would want to get into it, right?
0: Yes. They're going to have to pick and choose. Obviously, they're not going to decrypt them all. Why would they?
1: Correct. Yeah. But assuming that it's possible for the bad guys to associate company names, end user names, physical addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, and IP addresses with specific vaults, and that must be possible because LastPass has to do it, and this is the information that they lost.
0: it's the metadata that they didn't
1: encrypt. Yes, even without any decryption, what you get is a comprehensive dump of exactly who logs on exactly where. Right. And if you scroll horizontally all the way to the right of Rob's HTML output, there's also a last-touched field. Oh, jeez. Containing a time (sighs) code that shows when the last logon at that domain occurred. Oh, my God. So even without the use of any brute force decryption of the vault's encrypted contents this represents at best a significant privacy compromise yes. for every LastPass user and and last pass could have there was no
0: technical reason they didn't encrypt that data they could have yes
1: um
0: other password was, managers do
1: Yes. Well, I so I w- I did a test. I was wondering why they didn't encrypt the URLs. So I thought, well, maybe if I'm not logged in so that my vault is encrypted, right? If I'm not logged into LastPass, so I have no vault present. Yeah. Um maybe LastPass doesn't add the little LastPass highlights to the username and password field if it knows it doesn't have the ability to fill that in. Who so cares? I thought, okay.
0: <laughs> and it, it By the turns way, out. Bitwarden does not do that. A lot of password uh, managers don't. I think that's a silly little JavaScript feature. Go ahead. Turns out so what?
1: It, it turns out. That's not the case. Oh. Which is to say no no it, it 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 which is to say LastPass always puts that it's in always there. all of the username yeah. and password fields. So I was trying to give them the benefit of you the know, doubt, no, saying no, well, maybe they're being smart about <laughs> no, where the not. user you know, where it knows the user has the ability to log in. No. So I so Leo, I can find no rationale. And we're not saying that, that
0: they should encrypt it with AES two fifty six in your vault, but they should probably hash it uh so that it i mean
1: it shouldn't be plain text
0: in your metadata in the vault
1: a lot of this i see stuff, no re- i i don't i don't there's yet, no benefit may- to it i don't right? yet see a reason for yeah. them doing it and i tried one idea but yeah. that wasn't it and
0: okay. you could see why so there there is already a class action lawsuit and the guy who started it claims and we haven't verified this but claims that he lost fifty three thousand dollars in cryptocurrency you could see why this is important if you're going to attack somebody, find somebody maybe who has a shared crypto wallet on Coinbase. You know that kind of information is being leaked. It gives you prioritized a way to prioritize which faults you go after. Oh uh, wait, honey, there is way
1: more. <laughs>
0: oh no, I mean oh. it's perfectly possible. We don't know that there is somebody right now running, you know, his old Bitcoin mining apparatus because he doesn't have any use for that anymore. Uh, against all of the vaults and just the first ones that come out are the ones he's going to use, right? Because they have bad passwords or whatever. Or their PBKDF2 is 500.
1: um, One last note before we look at what's been learned from a week of feedback from our listeners, uh, which, as I said, is a little bit bracing. Oh, boy. If executing Rob's PowerShell script produces errors rather than the presentation of a nice graphical interface, as it initially did for me, On my Windows 7 machine, I wanted to note that it's possible to update any Windows PowerShell support, even Windows 7, to the latest version 5.1. Microsoft wants you to have it. So I have a link for that at the bottom of page 4 of the show notes that will help anyone update their PowerShell script, just in case you get an error. Okay, so next... Uh, what more do we know this week that we didn't know last week after our listeners had the chance to understand and peruse their last past settings? We don't yet have any good sense for whether or the degree to which encrypted content was allowed to remain encrypted under the less desirable ECB cipher mode. I expect feedback from the use of Rob's analyzer to fill a lot of that information for, you know, to fill in a lot of that information for us next week. So I'd appreciate knowing when and how many ECB warnings, if any, are seen by our listeners. I didn't have any ECB encryption in my vault, even though I'm sure that I had login credentials dating from my first use of LastPass. Rob reported that his vault contained one ECB encrypted entry. This would be so a I'll really be,
0: old password, right? I mean,
1: yeah. Well, I had really old ones too, so uh, it's just there, we, don't there's a
0: lot the, we don't know what the we don't know what the time frame yeah. was of we're of having to sort
1: of re, we're having to reverse engineer See, again. Some this, of this is
0: something we need to know, and LastPass is not yep. been forthcoming
1: with. Yep. You. Yeah. Okay, but the ECB versus CBC issue is not that much of a big deal. I don't, I don't want to overstate that, since AES ECB electronic codebook being based upon the AES cipher has a block has a cipher block size of 128 bits sets of 16 8-bit characters thus forming a block of 128 bits are encrypted from that pattern of 128 bits into a different pattern of 128 bits that's encryption so this means that every instance of the same password will encrypt into the same pattern of 128 bits. As I noted last week, the presence of password reuse would therefore be obvious just by inspecting a user's encrypted vault without the need for any decryption. By comparison, AES CBC cipher blockchaining uses both the encryption key, which would not change from one password to the next, and also a random initialization vector. You know, think of it like salting a hash. It is different for every password. So this would completely obscure the presence of any identical passwords, Otherwise, I really can't see any reason for, for preferring one over the other, but that's a good well, that's reason. But that's a big one,
0: yeah, because yes, uh, yes. now the guy, again, we're, we're talking about triaging the vaults. Yep. You, could, you could look at a vault and say, look at that, 400 uh, reused passwords uh, without decrypting, and that's a so, big deal.
1: Um, we're going to likely learn by this time next week, we'll have, we'll have feedback from our listeners who have used Rob's tool. We'll Just know how good. much ECB is still around. Okay, now Leo, are you centered over your oh, ball? Oh no! <laughs> now what? <laughs> oh no! Okay. By far, yes. mm-hmm. the most worrisome fact that was revealed when our listeners checked the settings of their LastPass vaults was the degree to which many—and I do mean many—of their password iteration settings were found to be below the one hundred thousand one hundred iterations mark. Mm. And in a revelation that I'm still trying to get my head around, I heard from many listeners whose PBKDF2 iteration count was set to one. What? Yes. (laughs) One. And thus, the title of today's podcast. One. 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 Many people... Have an iteration of one, which is to say, why bother? What does that mean? Does it means you could. I mean, you still have
0: to. Re- you, a hash I, cannot I mean it, be reversed, but you could use rain di- rainbow tables easily or- here.
1: Uh, no, because it is salted. So, okay. I, I, I've got all the. I've got all the math here. We're going to understand what oh, this means. Okay, good. So, I, I also received many reports of iterations still being set to five hundred. Yeah. and many set to five thousand. Five thousand was the default for many years. Five thousand it was up until five years ago yeah. it was five thousand. That's when it changed to the the one hundred thousand one hundred.
0: And as we mentioned on Ask the Tech Guys on Sunday, the OWASP recommendation is three hundred thousand.
1: Yes, and probably not adequate and we'll be talking about that in a second. <laughs> Maybe even should be higher. Um, yeah. Oh. I'm thinking one two, three, four, five, six, seven would be a good number. That's 1,234,000. uh and uh, you know, five hundred. Of course, the, the
0: reason you don't use larger ones because it's slower on uh, on a especially a mobile device.
1: Yeah. Turns out is less you're being powered by a hamster. Uh, you're <laughs> you probably can do OK. OK, yeah. that's
0: good to know. OK, yeah.
1: so at, at first you might think that anyone whose iteration setting was one should be about a hundred thousand times more concerned than someone using the new default of one hundred thousand one hundred. But it's actually quite a bit worse than that because that 100,000 to one simple math that it assumes that vaults were being selected at random for attack, which would probably not be true. Right. We need to assume that the attackers obtained every user's account metadata, including their vault's iteration counts. Oh, that's in the metadata. It is. Obviously. Yes. That's how people it has are to seeing be, this. Because yeah, LastPass yeah. ha- last has to have that. They need to know. Okay. Those counts need to be recorded somewhere because no one's vault could be decrypted without knowledge of mm. the count. Okay. And the count is not particularly sensitive information. Right. Unless it's one. <laughs> <laughs> And LastPass oh would have backed Oh Leo, it's so bad. Oh LastPass God. would have backed it up since the loss of that, the iteration count data, would have been even worse than the loss of the vault backups themselves, because it would have made them worthless. So assuming that the attackers obtained the iteration counts for every LastPass user, as they probably did from LastPass's backup, if opportunistic brute force decryption of user accounts was their intent. It would be a reasonable strategy for the attackers to start with those last-pass users whose counts were one. (laughs) Why would they not? Actually, this would
0: be a good use for a PowerShell script to triage the millions of vaults you have, looking for low iteration counts and perhaps maybe some uh, custodial Bitcoin wallets, or, you know, things, Leo, things that it really wants.
1: Just ask Chat GPT.
0: To, to, <laughs> He'll do it. Or she'll can. do it. Or it'll do it. Yeah. So Which one should I crack first, Chat? Uh,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, there's a well known expression to describe the situation in which all of those LastPass users who, at the time of this breach, had their LastPass password iteration counts set to one. And that expression. Is low-hanging fruit. Do we have a theory how somebody could have one? It was uh, okay. never the so, default. Uh, yes, it was. What? Yes. In the earliest days of LastPass, for, one was the default. For the first four years, from 2008 to 2012. Oh, I didn't realize. one, one a, a salted hash was considered strong that's enough, enough. That's enough. And, of Back course, then. one iteration. That's, that's what it was when I looked at it, and I said, this is fine. You know, you need to salt you need you can't just have to salt your hat. We've said that many times. So yeah. There was no problem. Okay, so last week we did not look deeply into the actual performance of today's GPU enhanced password cracking. This week we need to get a sense of scale. Current estimates of GPU hardware enhanced password cracking places the time required to crack a 100% 100 iteration PBKDF2 protected password where that password has high entropy of 50 bits at 200 years. So, one GPU um 100, 100 iterations high entropy password 200 years. But since GPU use is scales linearly, dividing that cracking task among 200 GPUs, yes, One year, which is, which is now <laughs> quite mature cracking sure, technology, sure. could crack the same password having 50 bits of entropy in one year. Okay, so one GPU, 200 years, 200 GPUs, one year. But I also note that studies have shown, Wikipedia says it too, they agree, that most practical passwords have an entropy of around 40 bits. A lower
0: entropy, because you have to remember it. They're
1: not truly random. It turns out that it's difficult to actually get 50. Yeah. So, okay, we'll get back to what lowers true entropy in a second. Okay, but having 40 bits of entropy is approximately approximately 40 versus 50. 40 is approximately 1,000 times weaker than 50 bits. Oh, that's a problem. Because bit strength scales exponentially. Oh, boy. In in other words, random bits are worth a lot because each additional truly random bit, on average, doubles the time required to crack. So the difference between 40 bits and 50 bits is 10 bits. 2 to the power of 10 is 1024, thus 1,000 times weaker. Okay, so... If we assume that our attackers will have the use of 200 GPUs, which in this era of GPU-laden cryptocurrency mining rigs seems entirely reasonable, cracking a typical password having 40 bits of actual entropy would require 71.338 days. If that that password was protected by 100,100 iterations of PBKDF2. Okay, just to restate that because this is an important benchmark. A typical strength password, 100,100 iterations of key derivation that's attacked by a 200 GPU password cracking rig would fall against that attack in an average of 71.338 days. So if you're thinking that all of those 100,100 100 iterations might still not be providing you with sufficient protection, you're probably not entirely wrong. Mm. Using 1 million iterations would be 10 times stronger, bringing us to 713 days, just shy of two years. Eh, that seems much safer. Okay, but the very bad news is it for all those whose last pass iteration count was for whatever reason discovered to still be set to 1 and there were many such people who reported that this past week and those are our
0: listeners those are yes, those are ex- not ins- unsophisticated people those are our listeners
1: yes yes those same 200 GPUs could crack that same 40 bit entropy password in an average of 61.56 seconds a minute or just over one minute per single iteration password (laughs) crack Wow given that it appears to be the height of negligence if not bordering on criminality that for some reason for whatever reason many listeners of this podcast and I'm sure a great many more non-listeners, have no effective protection.
0: Sad. This is the the... most loyal LastPass users, the ones who started using it in the very earliest days, which, by the way, is probably you and me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, you and I moved to 100,000 back five years ago when we we talked about this. Yep, yep. They have no effective protection from the cracking of their LastPass vaults and the resulting disclosure of every single one of their website logon credentials, their credit cards, and, as you mentioned before, any other confidential documents and personal papers that were stored for them by LastPass. Okay, now, not one of these many people told me that LastPass had reached out to them To explain that due to their effectively non-existent password encryption, they are at heightened risk following the data breach and that they should immediately rotate all their login credentials being managed by LastPass and assume that any information stored in their LastPass vault had been compromised. As far as I know, that has not happened, and it certainly should have. LastPass knows everyone's iteration counts. And now, so do the criminals who stole them. LastPass somehow failed to update those iteration counts for a decade after the default was raised from 100 to 500 in June of 2012. And they have not immediately and proactively assumed responsibility for that by informing their users whose iteration counts were dangerously low, in many cases set to 1%, that, unfortunately, they should now assume that the encrypted content of their LastPass vaults is now in the hands of criminals. The industry at large has been grumbling about LastPass not being forthcoming, about the details of the breach. But we now have all the information we need to assess LastPass's culpability. A couple of weeks ago, when I was first uploading Uh, Updating myself on LastPass's client settings over the holidays, I changed my iteration count from 100,100, where, thank goodness, it was still set after we talked about this five years ago, to 350,000, as is now recommended by OWASP. That change of my iteration count took, oh, perhaps five seconds. I had to provide my LastPass master password again so that the LastPass client could rehash that password under the new iteration count. And that was it. This could and should have been automated since its first increase from 1 to 500 back in 2008. No user should have been allowed to set a dangerously low iteration count, and every LastPass client which must know its user's iteration count in order to function should have taken proactive responsibility for continually bumping it up every five years or so to whatever is currently considered safe. So, the most startling and deeply disturbing news I received throughout last week was not only that many of our listeners' iteration counts were still 5,000, and many even 500, but that many discovered that theirs was still set to one. I am a 67-year-old lifelong entrepreneur and businessman, and you would have a difficult time finding anyone who is more deeply opposed to frivolously turning attorneys loose on each other. It's one thing to fight over an ongoing contract dispute in order to reach a resolution. That makes sense to me when the parties cannot negotiate an accord in the absence of objective judgment, but attacking an entity after the fact for something that was done, which I'm sure they now regret still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. On the other hand, If a lawsuit were to be brought against LastPass, not because they made a mistake that upset their customers, but over actual provable damages arising from reliance upon LastPass's assertion of the safety of vault data, then I would not consider that to be unwarranted ambulance chasing. There's no way to paint the presence of an iteration count of one used for the derivation of a LastPass vaults decryption key as anything other than a critically debilitating product defect. And for that, if actual damage results, LastPass could be, and I think should be, held wholly responsible.
0: So I should point out that uh, all the password major password manage, managers, including our sponsor Bitwarden, LastPass... Use PBKD or uh, one password, use PBKDF2. So I just went into my Bitwarden and set my PBKDF2. It's in the security keys section of your settings. I set it to 2 million. Uh, if and if everything, and of course, what I'm going to do is see if anything got really, really slow. I bet it didn't. Uh, frankly, the processor on my iPhone is better than the processor on this Lenovo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh assuming that everything's usably slow but not too slow I'm going to keep it at a high number and so that's a yep. warning that others should also do this right doesn't just it's not a last pass only problem the bitwarden default is 100,000 um but it should be let's set it higher right
1: well after we take a break okay. we're going to talk about the the true strength of our passwords okay
0: especially since I probably my master pass uh, password prob in all likelihood has is might not be 40 bits <laughs> of entropy It might, might be a little bit less as probably it is for a lot of people because you have to memorize it right yep uh exactly. so i use you know a pass exactly. phrase and some numbers and stuff but that, i bet you that's certainly not fully random that's for sure that's our next that's our next topic oh good you are so good you anticipate everything um uh get the show notes grc.com because there's a lot of information in there. You should always get them anyway. grc.com. When you get the the show, uh I'm wondering if we should push it out in the RSS feed too. We can do that. Uh push a PDF of the show notes along with the uh show. Would you have any objection to that? No. No. Um I'm thinking maybe we should start doing that cuz they're so valuable. Um I don't know. Uh listeners let us know if you you know, I mean a lot of people would get it. We go, "What did I get? I don't want it." Um but I think it would be valuable. Anyway, let's talk about our sponsor and then back to the show. Uh, we go. Uh, the show today is sponsored by Drata. If you want to live life at Drata speed, you need Drata. Drada is, well, let's put it this way. It's to help you collect the data for your compliance needs, right? I think a lot of organizations are still doing this manually. And if your organization is having trouble achieving continuous compliance, especially as you grow and you scale, it could well be that manual evidence collection is really not ideal. is a leader in cloud compliance software. G2 says it is, right? They streamline your SOC 2, your ISO 27001, your PCI DSS, your GDPR, your HIPAA, and other compliance frameworks so that you get Automatically, 24-hour continuous control monitoring. You focus on the stuff that matters, scaling securely. Let Drada keep you compliant. With a suite of more than 75 integrations, Drata easily integrates with your tech stack through applications uh, like AWS, Azure, GitHub, Okta, Cloudflare. Countless security professionals from companies like Lemonade and Notion and Bamboo HR have shared how crucial it has been to have Drada as a secure and trusted partner in the compliance process. Drata is personally backed by SVCI. That's The reason I mention that is because SVCI is a syndicate of CISO angel investors, security experts from some of the world's most influential companies who know how important this is. Drada allows companies to see all their controls and easily map them to compliance frameworks so you gain immediate insight into overlap if you've got it. You can start building a solid security posture. You can achieve and maintain compliance, and you can expand your security assurance efforts all with less effort. Uh, Drada's automated dynamic policy templates support companies new to compliance and help alleviate hours of manual labor. If you think about it, the words manual and security... Don't really go together. The integrated security and awareness training program they offer, uh, automated reminders ensure smooth employee onboarding. Uh, they're the only player in the industry to build on a private database organi- uh, architecture. That's, that's really important. It means your data can never be accessed by anyone outside your organization. That's what we're talking about today on the show. All customers receive a team of compliance experts, including a designated customer success manager, because they know your success means their success. In addition, they've got a, this is great, a team of former auditors, people with lots of expertise, more than 500 audits between them. They're available for support and counsel, and you can say, hey, what about this? What about that? These These are people who enforce the rules. With a consistent meeting cadence, DRADA keeps you on track to ensure there are no surprises, no barriers. Oh, and drata's pre-audit calls are great because they'll prepare you for when the audits begin. It's nice to have that confidence going in. With Drata's risk management solution, you can manage end-to-end risk assessment and treatment workflows. You can flag risks, you can score them, you can decide whether to accept, mitigate, transfer, or avoid them. Drata maps appropriate controls to risks, which simplifies risk management and automates the process. And Drata's trust center Provides real-time transparency into security security and compliance posture, which improves sales, security reviews, gives you better relationships with your customers, your partners, because they know you're doing it right. Say goodbye to manual evidence collection. Say hello to automated compliance by visiting Drata Drata D R A T A dot com slash T W I T. Drata. Bring automation to compliance at Drata Speed. D R A T A drada.com slash twit get a demo get 10 percent off you go there right now drada.com slash twit we thank them so much for supporting security now and remind you as always you support the show too when you use that url especially the slash twit part because then they know oh yeah oh yeah they heard about it on uh, steve <sighs> oh my back to uh all the nasty uh i am
1: centered on my ball as
0: we continue
1: Okay, so uh, I want to amplify something I touched on both last week and this week. I mentioned that an increase in iteration count provided a linear increase in strength, whereas the increase in strength provided by adding bits is exponential. I want to be certain that everyone fully appreciates the implications of that. A few weeks ago, when I increased my LastPass's client's iteration count from 100,100 to 350,000, that gave me an increase of 3.497. So about three and a half times. But not, you know, not four times. But if I had increased my password's entropy by just two bits... That would have been a full factor of four increase in cracking resistance. True entropy is quite difficult to calculate because few of us are using, you know, very few of us are using a chunk of text from GRC's Perfect Passwords page for our master password, since those are impossible to remember. So we have the situation that a single character's true entropy is difficult to calculate. If any character in a password is related to any other character in that password in any meaningful way other than having been chosen purely at random, you know, in other words, if there's any reason for a character to be what it is rather than something else, so th- then if that I use a
0: passphrase, for instance... Yes. Cuz those then those characters are logically related by English grammar yep. to one another.
1: Yes. That then that character's contribution to the true entropy of the whole is reduced. You know, its contribution of entropy would be significantly less than it would otherwise be. Cuz it's not random. So, it you know. Right. It's not. I after E so, except
0: for C or whatever it yep. is.
1: Yeah. So this is why the first thing that password guessing crackers do is use dictionary words yep. in various ways, and base their attacks upon the frequency of characters occurring in the natural languages of the passwords user. E T A I O N S H R D L U. Yep, those attacks model the lack of entropy that many users employ when they're choosing their passwords. Yeah,
0: I gotta go check okay. my password. I'll be back.
1: So, <laughs> so <laughs> what's what's the idealized? potential entropy of a single character. Now, in a byte-oriented system, a single character typically occupies 8 bits, so we might be inclined to say 8 bits, but ASCII only uses the lower 7 of those 8 bits. So, assuming a non-Unicode standard ASCII character set, there are a total of 95 printable standard characters available If you use upper and lowercase alphabetic, the 10 numeric digits, and all the other special characters, that gets you to 95. So here's the point I want to drive home. Increasing my iteration count from 100,100 to 350,000 yielded that, you know, just shy of three and a half times increase in password-busting protection, you know, 3.497. But just adding one single randomly chosen additional character to the end of a password increases the resulting password's anti-cracking strength by 95 times. 95.
0: This is the password haystacks stuff you told us about years ago.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, And so this is why when it comes to passwords, size does matter. You get far more attack protection by using even slightly longer passwords where strength increases exponentially with length than you do by increasing iteration counts where strength only increases linearly. Um, okay. So uh, I have, a. there were a bunch of interesting uh, bits of feedback and questions from our listeners. I'm going to, continue talking about some of these things using them as the prompting via a DM. I received the note. He, uh, someone posted, I have a corporate last pass account and a personal pro account. The personal account was updated to hundred K iterations, but the corporate account was still at just five K. My personal account is still exposed though. Because I took advantage of the ability to share passwords between my personal and corporate accounts to reduce the number of logins. I assume that if they crack the corporate, they would have the personal anyway. Good news, my password has more than 25 random characters derived from your perfect passwords. The bad news is that it is so long and random that I used the same password for my corporate and personal LastPass accounts. Oh, that's not good. Well, 25 truly random characters chosen from the perfect passwords page, as this user did, will have been selected from an alphabet of 95 possible characters. So that's 95 times 95 times 95 and so on for a total of 25 times. That's 95 raised to the 25th power. I used the password haystacks page to quickly do the math and show me that the resulting password has 2.8 times 10 to the 49. Holy cow yeah baby but how do you memorize it <laughs> no you you, know, you you don't you you have that somewhere else you write that somewhere okay yes you 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 keep that in your apple notepad and and you know copy and paste it oh lord. and importantly all of those characters are all equally likely oh, to appear okay. combinations true entropy now if we take the log base two of that number to determine the equivalent binary bit strength, we get 164.2. So, in other words, it contains a little over 164 binary bits of true entropy. Another way to look at that is that each character, when truly chosen randomly from a set of 95 possible characters, contributes 6.57 bits of entropy. 6.57. In other words, this person has absolutely nothing to worry about. His password has slightly more than 164 bits of true entropy. It will never in many lifetimes be cracked by today's or even any projected technology of tomorrow. Remember, quantum computers won't help with this sort of symmetric crypto problem. They are of no use. Okay, but there's something else worth noting. Uh, Recall from last week uh, that Mr. Grumpy Pants, uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah, Uh, Jeremy Gosney He noted that LastPass's vault encryption key was derived from only 128 bits of entropy. Okay, so now consider this crazy 25-character, totally random password, which has a bit more than 164 bits of entropy. If the attackers knew that, and there's no way they could, but if they did, it would be far quicker to just forget about the user's insane password, an attempt to directly brute force the vault's encryption key itself, since it has only 128 bits of entropy. You know, And I have only in air quotes because my point is that 128 bits already has so many possible combinations, 3.4 times 10 to the 38, that there's never any reason to go above that. Haystacks tells us that 20 characters chosen from that 95-character alphabet offers 3.62 times 10 to the 39. Okay, once again, 128 bits is 3.4 times 10 to the 38. 20 random characters is 3.6 times 10 to the 39. So 10 times stronger than what 128 bits can do. Okay, so last word on this in summary. Do not use only 20 characters unless they are truly chosen from among all possible characters randomly. But if they are, there is no need or benefit gained from using any more. 20. Purely random characters from an alphabet of 95 is 10 times more than what you get from 128 bits. And 128 bits is considered, by the entire industry, all we need for now. Um, Dave wrote, On Security Now episode 904, Steve asked for feedback on the current value of the LastPass password iterations field. Mine was set to 1. I have no idea how slash why it is 1, because I never changed it. Well, there's why. Needless to say, I have downloaded and installed Bitwarden, and I am changing the password on every site in my vault as rapidly as I can. (laughs) So, yes, Dave has the right idea. He was typical of many of our listeners. And there's an example from among many of what our listeners discovered to their horror last week. And sadly, it might be because he never changed it that it remained set to one. As you said, Leo, the most loyal early adopters of LastPass, they're the ones who are, you know, in a phrase, effed. Uh, As we know, he should not have had to change it. That should never have been his responsibility. But we're on the outside here looking in. We have no idea, you know, of the real story behind this iteration fiasco. Um, But there is no way to forgive this from last pass. None. This is more than a mistake. This had to be someone's boneheaded decision. With their acknowledgement of the importance of increasing the iteration count over time evidenced by its default being jumped from 1 to 500 to 5,000 to 100,100, someone must have made the decision not to bother bringing older existing iteration counts into compliance with current best practices. Someone must have decided that it would, I don't know, result in too much customer confusion and support calls. So let's just leave it wherever it is. And the galling thing is it could have been done 100% transparently. I am no smarter than their crypto people. So they know this too. When the user provides their email address and password to log into their client, at that moment the client has everything it needs to perform the upgrade transparently. Start iterating on PBKDF2. Pause at the current iteration count and take a snapshot of the current key at that point. Then keep going to the new larger iteration count and take a snapshot of that new key. Now decrypt the vault with the current key which was sampled midstream, then re-encrypt the vault with the larger final iteration count key. And finally, update the stored iteration count. Done. Totally transparent. No user confusion. And a company as big as LastPass, now focused on the enterprise and everything, for, for reasons I can't possibly explain never did that i mean not only is not everybody at one hundred thousand one hundred, 100 there are people at five thousand and five hundred. there are people at one and <laughs>
0: change your passwords hey everybody leo laporte here i am the founder and one of the hosts at the twit podcast network i want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at twit because i think it's unique and i think for anybody who is uh bringing a product or a service to a tech audience, you need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend a product. Our mission statement is Twit is to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Boy, already, you should be your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you tech enthusiasts. If that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time, part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity Uh, And genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long term partners that want to grow with us and we have so many great success stories Tim Broom who founded IT Pro TV in 2013 started advertising with us on day 1 has been with us ever since he said quote we would not be where we are today without the twit network i think the proof is in the pudding advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years they stick around because their ads work and honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full-service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full-service continuity team. People who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not... They're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, (laughs) one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. (laughs) That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people Our audience trusts saying, Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, We deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So you know you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, We'll give you great onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients gives you a lot of reporting, gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies, too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans, engaged fans who really want to see this stuff. We give you bonus ads and social media promotion, too. So if you want to be a long-term partner, introduce your product to a savvy, engaged tech audience, visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out those testimonials. Mark McCrary is the CEO of Authentic. You probably know him, one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies. We've been with him for 16 years. Mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories everything from razors to computers, is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech savvy, they're dedicated to our network, and that's one of the reasons... We only work with high-integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host red ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details. Or you can email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring.
1: Okay, David Lemeyer He said, "Hi Steve. Thanks for the effort, e- excellent coverage of the last pass breach and its consequences in SN904. I can confirm both your smooth experience transferring from LastPass to Bitwarden and Leo's note about Bitwarden having a lower size limit on secure notes than LastPasses. I had to delete two uh he said, I'm sorry, I had to delete one or two very large notes before I could successfully import my vault. He said, thankfully, they were obsolete. He said, I have one technical security question. Given the threat of rainbow tables, wouldn't it make sense for each individual account to have its own iteration value within a suitably secure range rather than a common default value? He says, which I realize can be changed combining an unpredictable iteration count with salting the hashing process should raise the work factor for the creation of rainbow tables as well as the comparison process by a considerable factor. Okay, now I didn't mean to confuse things last week with my mention of the possibility of attacking known salt-free hashing schemes with pre-computation attacks. My intention was to paint a history to remind us of where we've been and how we got to where we are today. Everyone has always been protected from pre-computation attacks by the inclusion of their email address as the salt for the PBKDF2 function. Joe Segrist was doing this from day one with an iteration count of one. Unfortunately, back in 2008, Joe was, you know, as I said, also iterating only once through PBKDF2, and as we now know, for some unlucky souls, that for whatever reason was never changed. Um, Someone is also likely to ask if a user deliberately set their iteration count to one. um, What would happen if they didn't understand what that was about? You know, you know, like what if that happened? My answer to that would be that it should absolutely never have been allowed. LastPass would certainly not allow any user to leave their password blank. A low iteration count is effectively no different. LastPass was lifting the count over time, and that should have always been the minimum that any LastPass user client would accept as its count. I received a question via email, hello, about the LastPass breach, episode 904, the risk on passwords and metadata was explained very well. I wished the risk for files stored in LastPass could be explained too. For example, copies of personal ID, passports, driver's licenses. He said, I can go through all my passwords and change them, but changing my real-life documents will be much more difficult. I guess many other LastPass users will have this problem, too. Thanks, signed Boris. So Boris makes a great point. We didn't stop to consider much, you know, that we're only talking about login credentials primarily, you know, but the many greater privacy dangers that might arise from having the contents of the LastPass vault's secure notes storage compromised. Depending upon what was in there, the damage from disclosure could be significant. Oh, yeah, my social's in there, my driver's license, my passport, everything. Yep, full identity theft information.
0: Oh, good Lord, yes.
1: So I also received a bunch of these, uh, basically saying, replying to sggrc. I exported all my stuff to Bitwarden earlier tonight. The process couldn't have gone more smoothly, up and running on both my laptop and phone. So I was glad for that. Bitwarden,
0: I'll say it again, is a sponsor, but that has nothing to do with anything I explained
1: my Uh, my rationale. We like it it because it's open
0: source. There's all sorts of benefits. Incidentally, so I have changed my PBKDF2 to two million, as I said, which I think is as large as it can go. I don't I guess there's no practical limit. But I noticed now I've because I also changed my password. So I got logged out everywhere that it only added a few seconds to loading the vault. So a minor, minor amount of time. That's 2 yep. million. That's that's big. I also, one of the nice things about LastPass, I changed my password because I want more entropy. And I use password haystacks to pad it out and all that stuff. But uh, they also give you the option, risky though it might be, and they explain the risk, of rotating your vault key. That's that 128-bit key of for your vault. And you can do that as well. And I thought, you know, I've had this for a couple of years. Maybe I should rotate that vault key too. So uh yeah. they really give you the options you need, I think, to to make sure you're safe, even if that vault got exfiltrated.
1: Yep. And I I will have a request from uh, for Bitwarden we'll oh, get good. to here by the by well, the end of the show. I, I know some people, so <laughs> um, okay, so via uh direct message, Steve, I listened to your podcast twice, but what I don't understand is I thought you said it would not matter if somebody had our blob of data. Because the keys only reside on our devices. So even if they had our master password, how would they crack into the blob without having the keys? Thanks for all you do. Okay, so if there was some confusion there, let me clear that up. The key that's required to decrypt the LastPass vault key is derived only and completely from three pieces of information the user's email address, the user's password, and the iteration count. No other information is required. The only one of these three things that LastPass and the attackers do not know is the user's password. They have their email address and iteration count. So with an iteration count that's too low, it's quite feasible For a modern attacker to simply guess and test at ultra high speed all possible passwords until they find the right one. Also, via direct message Hi Steve, do you think that having a non standard number of iterations, let's say 168429, makes that particular password not worth the effort to try to decipher? since 95% of all passwords will have either 5,000 or one hundred thousand and one hundred iterations. And this question came up often. Since each user's iteration count is known, making it non-standard will have no effect. If the attackers have adopted, you know, that low-hanging fruit-first strategy, which is what seems by far the most likely way to reap the rewards of their score, they would sort the entire LastPass vault backup database by iteration count and prioritize attacks against all of those unlucky souls whose iteration count matches the title of this podcast. From there, sorted by iteration count, they would proceed upward. And let's not forget that a significant amount of privacy-related information is, per- is immediately available since all of the URLs for the sites where we have stored our logins is in the clear. Someone named Zapper uh, tweeted to me, at SGGRC, Steve, being a long-time and very trusting listener, I have been a LastPass user on your recommendation. I will now migrate to Bitwarden. May I ask you to clarify the security risk if my last pass master password was 20-plus characters? Okay, Zapper's question is also quite common. So I want to reiterate that longer is always better, even much better. And more random is also better because it increases true entropy. But as for 20-plus characters, if your password is truly 20 random characters, that's 131 bits of true entropy, which is absolutely secure. So, no need to go larger. Via DM, LastPass, he says, I changed my 30-character master password, but I still feel uneasy. I started changing all passwords, but have not migrated off of LastPass yet. Any thoughts on ensuring LastPass removes all vault info upon cancellation of user account? So that's a really good question. I think LastPass needs to affirmatively answer this question uh, if they don't have it already somewhere in in their FAQ. Um, This user is not talking about the consequences of the theft immediately, but rather the safety of remaining for a while, I guess, with LastPass a 30-character master password will be very, very, very secure. Even if it's the lowercase alphabet with one in order, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, and P, you know, and so forth, with, you know, the digits 1, 2, 3, 4 scattered among the 26 letters somewhere to pad it out to 30. The resulting hash from that conveys nothing of the password's length. So no one attacking would have any idea how long the password is. This was the key message underlying password haystacks. No attacker would be trying any 30-character passwords, no, no, having no idea how long the password is, until they had exhausted all shorter passwords and that will never happen. So, you know, the reason we don't recommend somebody using, like, that 30-character password, like, in a lot of different places, is that we we don't know that everyone is hashing it securely and storing it securely. And we just had a big example of, you know, the largest password manager on the planet not storing things securely. So, you know, but using that one time In in a situation where you know how the password is being managed, it's being deeply hashed with a high iteration count, that would be a perfectly acceptable password. But don't use that one. Uh, (laughs) Skynet said, moved my vault to Bitwarden and set the PBKDF2 iteration to 1 million. On my iPhone 11 Pro Max, it performs fine. 1 million iterations, Go big or go home, Steve. I went double so, that.
0: <laughs> yep. And it's and fine. Wrote. It added a few seconds. Yep. That's all it adds. And so it only add adds at the first...
1: And t- You don't have to do it you that often, It only adds right? it
0: the first time you download the password vault. Correct. Yeah. So it's Correct. not... It's a minor... Boy, and it, it feels a lot better. Yeah. And I, and I got rid of the entropy instead of using a, a passphrase, which had English words in it. So the order of those letters was not completely random. It followed English yeah. spelling rules. I used an a- a acronym. I used a, a, not an acronym, a, a, a initialism. So I used the first letters of a long phrase and added ah. some extra pay padding with other stuff. Yep. So Good. I feel like that's now there's still less randomness. Because there's, you know, there's some grammar to that sentence, but I but don't. But again, length, length matters. It's very long the, now. It's fifty-nine nobody, characters. So no, I think it's long Nobody enough.
1: will know what your length is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nobody will right. know. Oh, so, I just said so, it. Never mind. Forget I said that. By the way, that's one thing I do when I create passwords for. We should mention passwords for sites don't have these same issues in the mo- in most cases the difference here is somebody was able to download the vault and at their leisure brute force it you don't have that leisure with a site unless the site gets breached and their password database gets captured and it's not properly encrypted and all that you don't the same rules don't necessarily apply to individual passwords you're generating Although, again, you know, it's it's worth doing a long one if you're using a password manager.
1: Well, and th- this is a perfect example of all your chickens in one basket, right? Yeah. I mean, the, it's the master password. That's and, the, and last that's the system, biggie. The only, the only yeah. password you need to remember. Well, well, <laughs> uh-huh. And, anyway, but what so, I was
0: going to say is I vary up the length of passwords I use on sites. So I don't always use 19 characters. That's a setting in Bitwarden. But I mix right. it
1: up. So they don't even know yep. that, which is yep. helpful, right? yeah yep. yeah so for Pbk d f two I don't see any reason for using an iteration count lower than a million and as I said I'd probably use one two three four five six seven uh and it doesn't matter thats not secret because that doesn't help anybody if, you know the uh, it's all being salted anyway so so each individual crack has to happen by itself um and you know if you find out that it takes too long on some platform you can always turn it back down but I'd start at one two three four five six seven but really, in this era of GPU driven password cracking, where GPUs hash at light speed, PBKDF2 is showing its age. Cranking up iterations is just running ahead of a moving train. It would make much more sense to just get off the tracks.
0: Well, I asked since, you about that last week. Argon2 is another option. Yeah,
1: okay. Yes, since squirrels entire security model is based upon the security of a single password-based key, I gave this a great deal of thought years ago. Everyone, including Bitwarden, ought to abandon the use of any non-memory-hard mm. password key derivation, which GPUs excel at. Squirrel uses script, also known as s S script S-C-R-Y-P-T, which absolutely requires a block of dedicated memory, which cannot be shared among cores. Hmm. Script's many parameters are tunable, and I don't now recall exactly how much memory I required, but I think it was 16 megabytes. I chose that because every smartphone can spare that, and it's only needed briefly to process a user's password entry. But significantly, GPUs are unable to follow, since they're unable to run S script of that size at all. Oh, nice. So when that much memory is required, GPUs are out of the game. So switching away from PBKDF2, whose time has passed, Ought to be on every password manager's roadmap for the future. Mm. Good to know. You know there's B-crypt, how about Argon script, and there's Argon. Yes, I mean that's the same thing. These are all memory hard, and and so so j- just just as, as a little quick example, the the way this works is the the algorithm allocates sixteen megabytes of memory. Then it uses a very secure hash, an H, a keyed HMAC, based on, on the password that you're giving it, to fill this memory with pseudo-random data, where each value is a pointer within that memory. So, so it fills 16 megabytes with pointers from zero to 16 megabytes. Then it follows the pointer trail jumping throughout all of that memory. Well, it turns out there is no way that has ever been found to short-circuit that process. That is, you don't technically need to use 16 megabytes, but if you didn't, you would need to compute what some random pointer somewhere out there in 16 megabyte space would be it, and then, when you go to it, you would need to then compute what the point, what the other pointer somewhere else would be. In other words, if speed is your goal, the fastest way to solve this puzzle is just give it sixteen megabytes, let it fill it with pointers, and follow these pointers all around a hell and gone. You know, <laughs> w- w- within this sixteen megabyte space, and and the, the path you take ends up uh, ends up resulting in the key that this thing synthesizes, and it cannot be short-circuited, and no GPU can do this. Hmm. So you just switch to something that GPUs cannot do, and then you're not constantly having to, to, as I said, run ahead of the train, staying on the tracks. You just say, nope, let's use a different protocol. And again, I, I've been using, you know, a squirrel uses a 16-megabyte Uh, S-Script algorithm, and it runs everywhere perfectly. On iPhones and Androids, nobody has ever had a problem with it. And it cannot be accelerated by a GPU. Okay, a couple last bits. Uh, Robert V.D. Bremen, he said at SGGRC, thanks for the honest podcast on LastPass. Your vetting years back made me use it for many years. Now moving to Bitwarden. Now that I'm changing my 1,000 plus passwords, no. whoo, I see how broken the pass the system of password login really is. Why is there no change password API? And you know, it's a really good question. A uniform, standardized, cross-site password change API would make rotating all of one's passwords an automatable operation. Right. I think that the problem is that it's mostly per-site resistance. One of the complaints most people have is that every site is different, has different password requirements, additional bells and whistles like security questions or not, uh, and different password recovery approaches. And this arises from the fact that every site wants to be different. You know, there's no uniformity, so each site gets to invent the user experience flow that they prefer for their particular whim. You know, it didn't have to be this way, but it's the way it is. Okay, and last one. But and Andy I should Olson. point out
0: the reason this is the internet is the way it is is because nobody sat down and designed the whole thing
1: from scratch. You if they ever
0: they would have put a password rotation system in.
1: But yes. it wasn't and designed you, that way. Right. And you yeah. would never tell your mother that she must type HTTP no. colon S slash yeah. slash.
0: Even, by the way, it, uh, no, that w- when somebody asked um, the creator, the founder uh, of the web uh, about that, he said, I never thought humans would ever have to type that. It was supposed uh, to be machine readable. It was, it,
1: was li- it, it was link following.
0: Yeah. Right? It wasn't yes. supposed to be anything a human would ever have to see.
1: So you were on a page and it had nice English right. links or whatever language, right. Right, you know, standard It was all under, the, under the hood. To, yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But that, that's so Tim Berners-Lee did not design it. You know, that's but that's what happens in the real world. Stuff gets done and it works and yep. it changes and all of a sudden you've got Twitter. <laughs> It's called evolution or Uh, devolution.
1: Okay, last one. Andy Olson tweeting from Average Andy. He said, at SGGRC, I listened to the recent LastPass episode switching to Bitwarden. Just wanted to note that password changes are necessary, but I found I can also change usernames on a lot of important sites. If user login is email, change that too. And yes, I agree with that especially since today's standard for password recovery, you know, handling the I forgot my password event is to send the password reset link to the user's account email. So while it's not imperative, if it's easy for you to also change your account's email while you're at it, you know, from what it was when your last pass vault was copied and stolen, then there's no reason not to. Okay, so once again, I've used up our time this week covering this news, which is huge for this podcast listeners since such a large number of us chose and have been using LastPass. But even for those who had not chosen, you know, to stay with LastPass or have Long ago chose a different password manager. all the information about GPU cracking strength and PBkDF2 iteration counts as universal, as is the need to urge whatever password manager you're using that it's time to move away and beyond PBkDF2, there are many cryptographically verified alternatives, and they should be used. you know racing ahead of GPUs no longer makes any sense. Um, as I said, next week we'll be able to get some sense for the um, for the amount of the ECB cipher mode that our listeners discovered in their last pass vaults with the aid of Rob's and Chat GPT's very nice PowerShell script. But unlike this week's bombshell, that many iteration counts were one the presence of any lingering ECB won't present a five-alarm fire.
0: I I really wish uh, LastPass were giving us more information. I understand they don't want to because it's a black mark on their escutcheon, but I think their escutcheon has been scuttled already, so maybe you should just start telling us what we need to do. Uh, It's my guess that when they did up the iterations, they didn't retroactively fix everybody's vault. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they didn't know how to.
1: Maybe they didn't want to. Okay, I've Uh, covered all that. They could. They could have. And they should have. They could have. They should have. We don't know why they didn't. Yeah. Um, Um, I mean, I least sent out an
0: email saying, and maybe they did. I don't remember. But, um, yeah.
1: No, uh, an email is insufficient. There is uh, leaving anyone's iteration set to one. As you said, it's like having a blank this, The title of this podcast is unconscionable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is it is you could argue it is not true that in today, in like today, when this theft occurred, that offered any protection. Right. And they were assuring everybody that if you use a good, long and strong password, you are safe. That is not true. That's a huge
0: thing. That yes. They, because of something they did, your good, long, strong password was insufficient. Yes. That's not good. Uh, as always, great stuff, Steve. I appreciate it. One uh, one thing I'll add to one of your uh, comment commentators yeah. who had a shared vault. He had his personal uh, yeah, vault yeah, yeah. and his business yeah. vault in LastPass. We do that as well here. It's my understanding those are kept separately. So uh, if, you know that's just a separate vault it's not like there's one vault even now he did use reuse the same password on both but uh but
1: it was 25 totally random it was a good characters. password he has yeah. nothing to worry yeah. about
0: and and he has a good number of pbkdf 2 iterations um we are actually we use LastPass enterprise and uh we're talking uh about what we need to do it's a massive uh and that's the other thing i would say and i got a number of emails and comments from people in our forums uh, that well, you don't understand. I've got a thousand passwords in there. I do understand. <laughs> I completely understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the problem,
1: you know. And and Leo, even without any decryption, think of the profiling that can be. Well, done. that was
0: terrible. They left that on of a person. All that metadata. Yeah, that's terrible. Terrible. Uh, no, I.
1: You know, I don't. This is. Uh,
0: this is the other thing that I don't know but I think there's more the other shoe will drop down the road because how can LastPass survive this? And when the when the you know stakeholders at LastPass say, well you got no customers, at some point they're going to turn off the servers and there's going to be another <laughs> collapse because they, I don't see how they stay in business. What happens when a password manager goes out of business?
1: That's a really good question. Not something we've uh <laughs> we've, <laughs>
0: we've had to face
1: whew. before. No. I mean that's a really
0: So I that's why I think it does behoove everybody uh as you've done and as I've done to move off even though yes, it's a big pain in the it's easy to move, actually. You said that, and I'll say it's easy to move. Oh, my God.
1: I I, like, I had resistance to it, and it yeah. was like, wait a minute, I'm done? It's trivial.
0: And most uh-huh. password managers work roughly the same as LastPass with the autofill and the uh, authenticator. Oh, another thing somebody was asking in the chat room, hardware key, like, you know, I've mentioned I use YubiKey, recommended good idea. I would just point out that, that at least Bitwarden and I think LastPass, too, they all have fallbacks, usually to an authenticator. So the always, only
1: thing, from a from a crypto security standpoint, the only thing those offer is the convenience to their user yeah. of of log when you log into of your a vault. Yubikey. It provides no additional security.
0: If you could, right? Because the vault doesn't use this for the brute forcer. They don't. It's not the second factor. They don't care. They don't care. They don't
1: care. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and if you turned off secondary
1: fallbacks.
0: Then I guess this would be stronger than, say, an authenticator. Certainly, a lot stronger than an SMS message.
1: Yes, and in fact, that was one of the as one of the features that Squirrel had was that after you got comfortable with it in the UI, you 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 could check a box saying "Do not allow right. any other." authentication because mechanism
0: the, the fallback is the weakest link whatever the whatever exactly the, whatever the weakest link is that's the weakest link <laughs> that's yep. all you got that's all right, we'll Get Steve. attacked. i am so glad you did a second episode on this i know there are a lot of people saying yeah but what about but there hasn't it's good news the hackers rested they were busy changing their last pass passwords
1: so you know we got a, we had a little breathing space next week the news Next week, yes, yeah, we will we'll do a big yeah. news catch up. I'm sure, as I said, we'll briefly talk about how many people found ECB in their vault. I'll be curious. And it'll just, yeah. it'll be, a, yeah, it'll just be a, a you know a curiosity point. It's not the end of the world, uh, and but then we'll catch up on all the news that's been happening.
0: I wish I could look at my old vault, and this is the other thing LastPass hasn't said. When did that backup get made? I deleted my LastPass vault a couple of years ago, but maybe the backup was from two and a half years ago. Yeah, in which case my vault's in there too. And so,
1: and they haven't told us anything. So it's very disappointing. No, in fact, I did. I, I went to the blog to see whether, I mean, I just recently, a day or two ago, to see whether they, there was any response, any further information, anything else. No. No, they're just they're hoping just it goes like- away.
0: At this point, they've got nothing to do. They're hoping it goes away. And it's not. I'm sorry to say it's not going to go away. Uh, one other point I will make uh, on Bitwarden, because it's open source, if you have advice for Bitwarden or a change you'd like to see, uh, for instance, changing to a memory hard uh, hashing, uh, but that's where you go to GitHub and you and you do a pull request or not a pull request a uh, a PR is it a, not a pull request What is it you do anyway? You you issue you get an, you give them an issue saying please. That's how you it's do time. complaints to Bitwarden. It's, time. it's open source. You go to the bit, open source repository and you and you uh, enter an issue saying there's an issue you should use a memory hard hashing algorithm and they have to respond they will respond to that and you know what will happen because it's open source somebody will write it yeah
1: so here it is well it's already it's already been written it just needs to be uh, you know hooked yeah. in hook it in it'll, it'll it'll take an afternoon
0: well then they should do it yeah thank you steve uh, bless you steve for the job you do it's so important and we really are grateful to you steve's website grc.com uh, there are lots of reasons to go to that website, of course, foremost of which to get a copy of Spinrite, the world's finest mass storage, maintenance and recovery utility. Now, admittedly, 6.0 has been around for a little while. 6.1 is imminent. If you buy 6.0 now, you will get 6.1 the minute it comes out. You can also participate in its development and release. That's uh, That's coming soon. That's coming soon, grc.com. You can also get a copy of this show there. Steve has two unique copies or versions of the show. Uh, he has the show notes which are definitely worth download. I will I will talk with my team about whether we want to put the PDF in the RSS feed or not. And I will I would like to hear from our audience on that one. But you could certainly get it from GRC.com along with a sixteen kilobit audio version, which frankly no one should have to listen to. But if you don't have the bandwidth, <laughs> at least you can get it. And the reason Steve does it is for the fabulous Elaine Ferris, Collier and Court Reporter who does those amazing transcripts. And that's the other form that is unique to Steve's site, the transcripts of the show written by a human so you can read along as you listen or search them. Very, very valuable. He also has the full 64-kilobit audio there, grc.com. He's on Twitter, at SGGRC. DMs are open if you want to leave a comment or a suggestion there. That's the only site he reads. Don't be going to Mastodon looking for Steve. You go to Twitter. Black
1: hole,
0: SGGRC. Uh, you can also go to our site, twit.tv slash sn, to find yourself a copy. There's a YouTube channel dedicated to security now that has every episode on it. Uh, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast player. We have video as well as audio. That's the unique format. We have I don't know why you'd want video. I mean, Steve's a good-looking guy. I'm not saying that, but I don't know why you'd want video, but you could get it if you want. Uh, What else? Oh, I should mention we do this show every Tuesday right after MacBreak Weekly. So that's roughly, very roughly, uh, (laughs) supposed to be 1.30 p.m. Pacific. It's usually more like 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2200 UTC. The live stream is at live.twit.tv. You can go there, watch or listen live, chat with us at irc.twit.tv, or if you're a member of Club Twit, in the Club Twit discord uh if you're not a member of club twit please join you get ad free versions of this show and all the shows we do for seven bucks a month plus access to the discord you also get the twit plus feed which includes shows we don't put out in public like hands on mac hands on windows the untitled linux show the giz fizz and more uh twit.tv slash club thanks in advance steve i hate to wrap it up something exciting might happen with security <laughs>
1: Like we'll just have to get we'll together back
0: next with the, We'll be back with that
1: news next week. Deal. See you then. <laughs> Bye. Don't miss All About Android every week. We talk about the latest news, hardware, apps, and now all the developer goodness happening in the Android ecosystem. I'm Jason Howell, also joined by Ron Richards, Florence Ion, and our newest co-host on the panel, Wen Dao, who brings her developer chops. Really great stuff. We also invite people from all over the Android ecosystem to talk about this mobile platform we love so much. Join us every Tuesday, All About Android, on Twit.tv.
0: Security now.